Cooper Sports presents this edition of the Fed Up Podcast. Larry Cooper along with Kyle Nickel as we are on location at Lust Station Social here on the north side of Houston, Texas, near the Woodlands. And as we get set for this coming weekend's matchups this weekend, as we will be at the University of St. Thomas over the weekend for the Labor Day Invitational for volleyball. They will open up the season tomorrow night as we will have the St. Thomas Celts hosting the ETBU Lady Tigers coming down from Marshall, Texas, if I remember correctly. And they will be coming in for a 6 o'clock match. We'll be on the air at 545 with our tip-off of the volleyball season. Then we'll have eight or six matches on Friday, and we will have seven matches on Saturday, concluding at the night match for soccer as the men will open up the season defending their SCAC Conference Championship from 2022. They will... Uh, come back tomorrow or 2021 they will come back tomorrow on saturday night and have the opportunity to be able to take on mary harden baylor out of belton texas and so that'll be a match that's coming up at seven o'clock on saturday night we'll be on the air at 6 45 and as we are getting closer to the opportunity to see these matches come down this weekend uh we, we look forward to the football season we're in the second week as last weekend Saw some interesting ball games. The first win started out on Thursday night, and we saw the Woodlands traveling down to GPISD Stadium for a big matchup with the North Shore Mustangs. And North Shore and Coach John Kay's team never failed to deliver there. No, they are very, very good. Well, any stadium, but particularly at Galena Park ISD Stadium, and they hit, they took the early advantage, and they were able to roll past the Woodlands, forty-nine to twenty-one. And Caleb Bailey, the sophomore quarterback, had another really good day. And if you remember the way we talked about DeAndre Tiki Hardeman, his son is now a running back at North Shore High School, and he looks like a very talented player. He was the leading rusher in that ball game for the Mustangs, and obviously their defense going up against Mabry Tower and a very good Woodlands offense played very well. So North Shore's got everything in hand to have another dominant year, and I think the Woodlands will be fine coming off of this. That's obviously no shame to go down there and take a loss. I'm sure Coach Rapp would have liked to play a little bit better in that ball game, but. Well, they would yeah. like to see each other one more time this season. That right. would be in December at AT&T Stadium. Right. And the interesting thing for the Woodlands over the last couple of years, in the 16th district, they had five games to get ready for district play this year with a 19th district. This they got one. They, they, right. They, they play a non-district game this week. And I think it's another – I think they're playing Westfield. Or playing another very tough <laughs> yes. It's like Jim Rapp is like, let's go to the cupcakes in non-district. I, I, don't, I don't think it's Westfield, but I think it's a very quality, right. quality opponent. I can't remember right offhand who they're – it may be Cy Woods. I can't remember exactly on their yeah, schedule. I, I, had to, I, had to, I had to look. I had but the one thing high. is, there's some teams, and North Shore is one of those teams that will not dodge a bullet. Katie will not dodge a bullet to start the season. Gary Joseph, these coaches, John Kay, the, you look at the game between South Oak Cliff that we saw on Saturday up with Duncanville in a very good matchup. Duncanville proved they were the better team and the team that's been in the state championship, even though South Oak Cliff gave them everything they could for really three quarters of that ball game up at Dallas ISD. And I think that when you look at games like that, it gives you an idea, I think, when we talk about South Oak Cliff being a very good 5A program, that may be the team in Division One that may be the toughest to beat. Well, Division Two. Or Division Two. I'm they're sorry. The defending champion. They have a bunch of really talented players. The big question, especially on defense, is out of ball. Kevin Henry Jennings was a really good quarterback, and and their quarterback did struggle. Of course, against a very good Duncanville offense. I think ultimately they're going to be fine. Coach Todd has done a great job with that with that program. And like you said, Duncanville went went into Kincaid Stadium in Dallas and was able to make enough big plays. I think that they had a 99 yard touchdown run. Right. Really kind of, Changed the tenor of that game. That changed the whole so, momentum, yeah. South Oak Cliff had kind of the early advantage. I think that kind of got the momentum into the, into the favor of the Duncanville Panthers. And you talk about the Katy Tigers, of course, they jumped right in. They played Clear Springs last week, picked up a very impressive win. They, 
going to ride the Tigers this week. They get a Tascacita right. over at Legacy Stadium. That's going to be a that's the, that's, that's the best. That's right. the best game in state this weekend. Well, certainly the best match right. in the Houston area. I'd have to look right, but it'd probably be one of the best because I think it's two state-ranked quality teams right there. I think and, the most interesting score that came in, and we talked about Arlington Martin and the team to look at up in the Metroplex, knocking off Lake Travis the way they did. I think that is a very dominant Martin Warrior team, and I think you look at them. That's the sleeper team you got to look at. We saw um, Highland Park pick up a big victory going to 6A this year. They picked up a good a victory uh, to open up the, the first week. South Lake Carroll won their ball game. Obviously, Capel, teams like that that we've seen. Alito taking a loss. That was a little bit of a shocker right there. And so that may send a little bit of a reverb around uh, 5A Division One. But I think that when you look at the overall, Martin is a team you better keep your eye out for on the Metroplex because they're going to beat some teams in the playoffs. Yeah, I, when we did our show last week, I looked at Martin as being one of the sleepers in Division One. I. I think they're not asleep anymore. That's like, obviously it'd be a really good now. Lake Travis team is kind of rebuilding a little bit on offense, particularly at the quarterback position. But still, I thought a nice win for Martin. That Alito loss was to Parish Episcopal, which is a very good private school right. in Dallas. I was not that was not a situation there where that's totally unexpected. And Alito is doing a lot of rebuilding with their offense as well. The, the Bearcats are going to be fine ultimately, and they're they're certainly going to make the well, they also didn't Ryan losing on Thursday right. night, dropping a 34-33 decision to New Braunfels, and was surprised there as Ryan is typically under Coach Florence had some special team Coach, situation. Coach yeah. Hennigan, I should say, Coach David right. Hennigan has had great, very good defenses and not giving up a lot of points. And they did get some turnovers in that ball game, but they give, also gave up 34 points and over 400 yards of offense to New Braunfels. Maybe the Unicorns might be a kind of a team, uh, under-the-radar team in Region 4. And I think that when you look at this week, I, I think there's some very good, interesting matchups. One that will be of note to us in Class 3A, Kirbyville has an opportunity to host a big ball game this weekend. And I think that when you look at some of those teams, the way they played last week, Hemp Hill picking up a huge victory to open up their first after talking to Coach Todd Stark. These are some programs right now getting off to some early starts that are going to get them ready for the their district play. And I think that when you look at the lower classifications, I think the biggest surprise was Jim Ned getting knocked off by 2A Hawley. And I didn't expect that to happen. 2A Division One going up and knocking off Jim Ned. And you got some big matchups this weekend in 3A. But specifically, that one sort of opened your eyes because Jim Ned didn't finish the season well last year after coming off a state championship berth two years ago. Well, that Holly team was a state quarterfinal a year ago, and a lot of play, a lot of players coming back. So, I don't think for some reverse that might have been a big as big a surprise as it was. You know, if you look at obviously Jim Ned won this title two years ago, but remember Xavier wishes they're outstanding run back. He's gone now, so Jim Ned may be in a little bit of a rebuilding transition period. Yeah, right, transition period. Ultimately, like I said, like any good program, I think they're going to be fine over the long term. But that's not a huge surprise to me because I think Holly's one of the better teams in 3A Division Two. Right. And I think that when you look at the way that you'll see some of these smaller classification teams, it's different a little bit earlier right now. We're not really having COVID issues with the kids because they're not doing contact tracing anymore. So if a kid gets sick, the rest of the kids don't have to be quarantined for 14 days and you lose a game or lose two games. I think we're going to get past that this year. So I think everybody will pretty much get their 10 games in this year. And I think that the more important thing is right now, especially lower classifications, we talked about it with Coach Robinson over – <laughs> at Shepard, they had a very, very good showing up at New, uh, New Waverly, even though they lost that ball game. The offense looked really good, and I think this is going to be the benefit of what we saw a year ago, two years ago, with the COVID issues, with the injury issues. This team's going to be very competitive in that district coming up in about three weeks. Yeah, we talked to Coach Robinson, and obviously they took their lumps a couple of years ago, but those kids are now juniors and seniors, so 
this is where it could pay off. And like I said, they played Waverly tough and tight. Now, ultimately, they lost. So there's some defensive issues maybe they need to work about. It's obviously a quality new Waverly program they were playing. So got to pick at the top of the in the staff of the Shepherd Pirates. There were some good things obviously coming out of that ball game, and there were some things that you can correct. And so they're going to coach up those kids this week. Say they go into their matchup this week, see if they can get that record even up. Yeah, I think Western Stark has the biggest matchup in the Golden Triangle this week. LCM. They, yeah, they got LCM who, who snuck into our top ten this week. And I think that when you're looking at a battle right there, I think LCM Division um, One and Western Stark Division Two, I think you look at both of those opportunities for those two teams to meet each other, I think it's very interesting to see that matchup come into fruition because Western Stark looks like it's for real. Yeah, Coach Eric Peavy came over from Westbrook in his second season. He led LCM to the quarter, state quarterfinals a year ago, so that's a team with some experience coming back, and they figured out how to win in November. And so I think Coach Peavy's done a good job really building the confidence of that program, and obviously West Orange Stark is West Orange Stark. Got the Hiawatha Hickman era off to a very good start with a win over shutout over Nederland. And the only thing you know about West Orange Stark, whether it's Dan Hooks coaching or Cornell Thompson or Hiawatha Hickman, they are going to play defense. And, and they're going to score when they need to. That's, that's, a, that's a team that's going to average probably 28 to 35 points a game on a consistent basis, but they're going to shut you down. You're, you're going to have trouble getting to 21 points in ballgame against West Orange Stark. And I'll, another note from the Golden Triangle, both Nederland and Port H's Groves lost their openers. Nederland getting shut out by West Orange Stark. And P&G in their debut under Jeff Joseph, the, as we talked about the son of Gary Joseph, getting his first head coaching opportunity. They got thumped 50-15. to 15. I'm not surprised that Port Arthur Memorials scored a lot of points in that game. I'm a little surprised only 15 points from a pretty potent PNG offense. But I think ultimately the Indians will still make the playoffs. But that's a very tough opener against the, against the Port Arthur Memorial team that should be a playoff team out of District 8-5A. And I think the most interesting game we talked about, because initially we got the wrong score that came in Friday night, and then Saturday I got the corrected score – First of all, I thought it was Crosby that knocked off C.E. King, but it was C.E. King that destroyed Crosby, and they basically shut down the Crosby offense. That defense for C.E. King looks like it's going to be trouble in Division Two. Well, there's two things out of the game. C.E. King, look, they're going to be really, really good. People that saw that game said they've got some really good – got some speed. Really good speed they got athletes, and, good, yes. and good linemen on both sides of the ball. And Crosby went in that game really banged up. Both their top two receivers. Uh, seven out. starters out, yeah. Their line, their, t- their best linebacker. And that was a defense that only had three starters coming back anyway. So, a lot of inexperience and new pieces being put in by Coach Pareto. So, Crosby ultimately, I, I keep saying this. We'll be fine in district, yeah. Ultimately, they're going to be very, very competitive. But keep an eye on C.E. King. It's gonna be a, I think Crosby will work, be a work in progress right. the first half of district play. C.E. King is probably right now the third best team in that district behind North Shore and Atascacita. And I, they may have the the, the – the players, the talent to give North Shore and Atascacita a little bit tougher game than what we might be expecting. Well, I think what it sets them for up, even if they lose both of those games and get two losses in district, I think it primes them to go deeper into the playoffs because they're not going to face tougher teams in the rest of the playoffs other than, let's say, Katie's probably going to be the toughest team they would probably see in the course of the, the, the 2022 Division Two playoffs. Well, absolutely. And another thing that I, I would have talked about Shadow Creek, but right now Shadow Creek would be poised to go Division One because they, right. their ADM has moved above Pearland Dawson. So, assuming the Dawson teams, would drop down to Division the, the Two, they would go Pearland. The four teams that we expect out of that district, which would be the Pearland schools, Shadow Creek, and Shrek Jesuit, the right. four, that would send Dawson along with, with Jesuit down to Division Two. So that would that would be one of the teams that would have been one of the teams. It was Shadow Creek, you no know, beating Manville here in Week One, looking very impressive in doing looking very impressive in doing that. But now they're going to be in Division One, so that's one less big-time opponent possibly for C.E. King. And the it could be a C.E. King 
Katy regional. Yeah, they should be on the opposite side of bracket, and they should be the, the top seeds out of each of those districts, which would put them in the one bracket, which would put them opposite each other with District 18 and District 21. Actually, they would play in the regional semifinals. Or semifinals, that's right. I believe. If that, if that, if that, if what we're projecting holds true here. As I turn our attention to college football, not a big schedule last weekend. The highlight game was over in Dublin, Ireland, when it was played between Northwestern and Nebraska. And Nebraska right now, Scott Frost cannot win close games. They are 2-8 and eight in games decided by a touchdown or less over the last couple of years. And, and I think Scott Frost is on the hot seat this year. They've, they've given him four or five years now, and it's been a program that's trying to get in transition, especially in the Big Ten West. And if they don't make a move to be in the top half above 500, make a bowl game this year, I think he's on the outs. Well, when you're at Nebraska, you, you are expected to compete with the Michigans, the Ohio States, and within your own division, the Iowas and the Wisconsin. And right now, they're not even beating Northwestern. Now, and especially that, come from behind now, fashion last Keep week. in mind, Northwestern has actually been a pretty good program under Coach Fitzgerald, and they were able to pull up. But you said, and listen, watching that broadcast, they were talking about Scott Frost needs to change the narrative that Nebraska can't win close game, and they're getting the exact same narrative coming out of game one of this season with that loss to, to Northwestern, that they cannot win close games. And they're going to have to change that. Or like you said, Scott Frost may be looking at another – Maybe looking at getting a pink slip at the end of the year. Now, we talked about last week basically having nothing on the schedule other than that Big Ten matchup over in Ireland. This weekend's totally different. The headliner, obviously, Notre Dame going into the shoe Saturday night, going into Ohio State. That's going to be a fun game to watch because I think it's it's more important, I think, for Notre Dame in that ball game than it is Ohio State. Yeah, Notre Dame can really establish themselves as a top-five caliber team if they, were going, if they were to go into the horseshoe and – knock off the Ohio State Buckeyes, but of course Ohio State with, with C.J. Stroud, a Heisman Trophy winner at Heisman Trophy candidate. Kennedy, yes. Kennedy, obviously Bryce Young. Bryce Young's probably the headliner right now right, that you can go I, into I the season with that. I to Bryce Young, who actually was the Heisman Trophy winner. And, now, now, here's and, one. And Ohio State with one of the best receivers, maybe the best receiver in the country, Jackson Smith and Jigba, a Texas product. Yeah, I, I'm telling you right now, yeah, you're talking about running backs. Coach Johnson at, at Texas is probably the best running back in the United States. Uh, B. John Johnson, uh, he would be the guy you sit there and say right now would be the favorite to be the Heisman Trophy winner if you were looking at running backs. Yeah, B. John Robinson. Our B. John Robinson, yeah. Is going to be the featured back uh, in uh, the University of Texas' offense. Um, there's a defensive end, Will Anderson from Alabama, who could be one of the first defensive players to win the Heisman Trophy in a long time. Um, so there's there's quite a, a decent group, crop of about four or five guys. I think the most underrated player that potentially could make a run at the Heisman Trophy is the quarterback um, at Kentucky. Uh, he's going to go in the top six picks in the draft this year. Uh, he comes back to uh, an offense that put up a decent amount of points last year, and he's not really getting a lot of Heisman talk, but the quarterback at Kentucky really is going to be able to play pretty well. You talked about Anderson last year. He had, I believe, 17 sacks and 34 tackles for loss. This guy was all over the field. Every time you watched Alabama's defense, you said, where is Will Anderson? Because the defense, the offense has, has to account for him, and your eyes always were drawn to him. And you also got the same thing with the linebacker from Notre Dame uh, that's so really good. This guy's going to draw a lot of uh, either Lombardi attention. Uh, you got the same thing with the BYU kid that's on the defensive side of the ball that's so good. Uh, you've got several players that we can look at right now, even a player from Army that plays linebacker that had 16 or 11 sacks last year. If he turns it up a notch, this is a 6'7 beast. This is a guy that's so big and so fast and so strong. If he doesn't have the Army commitment and can go into the NFL, this guy's going to be either a first or second round talent. Yeah, there's uh, a few NFL franchises. The word around the NFL is that if there's not a quarterback needy team at the top of the draft, um, 
Will Anderson will go number one before Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud uh, in the top three picks. Uh, this guy is a franchise changer uh, at the defensive end position. Uh, a lot of comparisons to Chase Young, but a more athletic Chase Young. Um, and so, and, and, and they've been talking about Will Anderson being our number one pick. He would have been the number one pick last year had he come out in the draft, but he just wasn't eligible. So uh, an opportunity for him to finally become eligible after this season, and, and he'll be challenging for the number one pick, and that's really a no-doubter situation uh, this year in the draft. And when you talk about guys like Anderson, obviously with the pass-happy NFL, you need to find guys who can rush the passer. And Alabama, they have a guy on the other side, Dallas Turner, who can get after. So they, the deep offenses cannot double, triple team Will Anderson because you got a guy on the other side who can, who can wreak some havoc. But yeah, I think Anderson, depending on who's the number one, he could definitely be the number one pick because he is just an absolute playmaker up front for that Alabama defense. And he's going to be a guy that's going to just wreak havoc, I think, as long as he stays healthy in the NFL. And we're talking about college football, you know, in the in the sense that, you know, largely this year is going to be a two to three horse year. Um, it, it's, Ohio State, Alabama. It's, it's Ohio State and Alabama. They're Clemson t- could be in. Clemson, Georgia. I think Georgia lost too much on defense to be a national championship contender. I think that's going to hurt them long term. They're going to lose a game. They could lose to Kentucky. That's a team that can score enough on that team and upset them in Kentucky. I think they play that game in Lexington. And, and I think that the interesting thing about the, the – you look at the SEC, Tennessee's going to beat some teams. I don't think they're going to upset a team like Georgia, but if they have to go to Neyland Stadium, that's not going to be an easy place to play with 109,000 people in it. And when I did my SEC thing, I did predict Georgia to go undefeated during the regular season. But I really debated a couple of games. You mentioned Kentucky. Also, they're playing Tennessee, but they're playing them in Athens. Okay, so they're playing at home. Between the hedges. If, they, if that game was at Neyland State, I would probably pick Tennessee to win and that ball a, game. And that's a program that they, they actually open their season tomorrow night against Ball State. And, and Josh Heupel's program there at Tennessee, they're going to put up points. Once they finally settled on a quarterback last year, that offense was explosive. Yeah, they, took off. yeah. they were able to put up a lot of points later on in the back half of their conference schedule. And it's a team that I think could be poised to be like that next threat to Georgia in the SEC East, as Georgia really hasn't had a, a real big push. You got you got a coaching change at Florida that they're, you're going to have to deal with as um, he comes over from... Billy, uh, Billy Napier. Yeah, right. he comes over from, uh, I think... Uh, Louisiana. Louisiana Tech, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, but I believe he coached before at Florida. He's right. Just, he's an assistant, right. so he's he has familiarity with the program. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was past the Urban Meyer days. I think it was between Urban Meyer and, and the last coach that was there. And the word out of Florida is they're going to be kind of a team that's more of a, you know, grinded out, grounded pound type team because that's what uh, Napier did whenever he was at his previous stop. And, and that's just what he's known for is trying to play, you know, close and tight games, that typical SEC style football. Um, and it's it's really going to be tough. Like I said, I think you're going to have the storyline this year of the two Heisman favorite quarterbacks really trying to keep their teams mainly – And could be the SEC mainly, championship. Mainly putting up style points as far as right. C.J. Stroud and, and Bryce Young. Right. Well, I'm talking about the Kentucky quarterback also. You talk about him so good, maybe in the top ten in the draft, you could see them in the SEC championship playing against Alabama. Yeah, but the problem with Kentucky's – there's no problem with Kentucky's quarterback. They just don't have enough talent on defense. Right, they can't. He can't stop so, anybody. So he's going to put up points, and he's going to put up the numbers. He's going to have to outscore. And he's going to. He's going to show that he can make. This all is going to be Eli Manning at Michigan, yeah. Mississippi. Yeah, is exactly what's going to look like. The problem is, it's not a complete enough team where you get the opportunity to really show that you know you're going to be on that national stage uh, in those final you know New Year's Six bowl games. Now, now like in that, the so. West, 
Texas A&M is going to give Alabama problems. I, I, That's going to be – I think we're going to get a preview of that with Texas game next weekend. What Texas does against Alabama, it can set them up. A&M is going to copy a lot of what Texas can do or will do against Alabama because if they see something on tape that they can work in because Texas and A&M are very similar teams. And A&M, of course, that made the – Jimbo finally made his decision. He's going to go with Haynes King at quarterback. Right. But does he hold up Connor Wigman? Right. Of How long? Connor Wigman, because that's a five-star player coming in out of Bridgeland, and he is really, really talented. So we're, we're going to see during the course of the season. And I, I mean, think got, Haynes gets. Got, I think King gets the full season. I, I really they, think he's going to. He's going he, to trust him. They do have some talent around him. Of course, with Devon A. Chain at running back, they have some good. A rece- good tight end. Good, good receivers. Right. The one thing I will say about um, you know Texas in general is they're going to face Alabama in, in week two. Uh, but that Texas team that you see in week two is not going to be the same team you see in week five. Even Oklahoma with the, the game up at the, the fair yeah. and then coming back against uh, Baylor to open up conference play I, I think, farther down the line, too. I think too. Texas, if, if you're trying to take, you know, a barometer of what would success look like for Nine Texas, and three. Not, not for the season. I'm talking about just in that game. I think if you're able to keep that game within two scores, I think that's a right, – Right, if you go to the fourth quarter – Similar to the LSU game a couple like years ago. 28-21. You're in good shape. You're soft. You're right. you're happy about that. Yeah, and and, and, it, and you do not know what Quinn Ewers is yet. He has right, not taken a snap in over over 15 months. I mean, he 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 took his senior season in high school, and he decided to reclassify and leave early to go to Ohio State. Okay, graduated early. So this is technically what should be his freshman year of college, but he's already been at on campus at Ohio right, State and now on campus at at the University and, of Texas at Austin. And it'll be interesting to see. He has not played. Uh, he has not played a meaningful down of football in over a year. So it'll be interesting to what what rust he has to knock off early on in the season to reach his potential. And of course, we talked about Bijan Robinson might be the best running back in the country, and they have a receiver in Xavier Worthy. He's really, really good on the outside. Can they fill some other receiver spots? And they have a little some question marks up front. Can they keep Quinn Ewers upright? Well, see, the, the, the thing that um, – and this goes back to the Nebraska game last Saturday um, as Casey Thompson transferred out uh, to Nebraska. A lot of uh, deep deep ball shot plays that Sark likes to run in his offense, they were overthrows. Or, or Thompson or Hudson Carr just were not able to consistently right. hit the deep ball, especially to Xavier right. Worley. Who's going you, to be you, a, who's, hit that. who's going to be an all-world right. receiver? That guy is a stud, and they have another guy. They, they should have the best offensive group outside of Alabama. In the outside of Alabama, and hold on to that thought process. Up, people in Provo would like to discuss something with you too. And we, and we, we saw Thompson. You know, as you said he transferred to Nebraska in the second half of that game. He was really inaccurate, really inaccurate. And I, I think a lot of that was, and, and, and again, it goes back to late in the second quarter. Nebraska's driving. Um, they the receiver there's a big play made and the receiver gets tackled and there's a fumble that they don't have a good camera angle on the fumble it completely changes the momentum of that game. Right. I right. firmly believe Nebraska's up 31 to 10 at halftime if they don't have a fumble they situation have that fumble. Right. they fumble on the 12 they're going into a score they have all the right. momentum yeah, that's not game's a, over that's not a quick score right. northwestern right. offense yeah they got to grind it out yeah and and, and the, another big area and the, the speaking on touching back on the Nebraska game you know, another big area that I saw that Scott Frost and his team are going to have to fix, or maybe this is the fact that Northwestern just has a left tackle that is going to be a beast in the NFL. They were able to get no pressure on the quarterback that transferred to Northwestern from South Carolina, and he was able to be, get very comfortable in the first half. I think he was like 14 of 17. Didn't in take the first a hit, half. yeah. 
He didn't really take right. a hit. He was never under pressure. And they got some good quarterbacks in that division. But I have nice. I have no issues with Nebraska's offense. I think Nebraska's offense is going to move the ball. They right. have a transfer that came in uh, from LSU receiver Palmer, I think, since last game. Right. Yeah, Trey Palmer. And he he was electric in the first half. They but are they going to win games 35 to 31 every I, week? I That's actually, going to be the problem. I actually think they're if they can just get over that close game hump, that, that it's just the stigma that <laughs> that's, they, that's that a Scott they, Frost that thing. have with the Scott Frost era, right? If they can get over that hump, and because they're they're going to have, I think they have, um, they have two schools. Georgia Southern is the the matchup after this week, but they have two schools, and then they play Oklahoma at home, right? So it's going to be how can we get everything right before we see Oklahoma in week three, which is their fourth week of the season? How do we get everything ready to see Oklahoma at home in week three so that we can be prepared to? Because again, we don't know what will uh, uh, Venables. Uh, offense and defense is going to the defense know, is going to be good. We know what the defense yes. is going to look like, but we don't know what the offense is right. going to look like with Leak and Riley leaving to go to USC and, and taking the quarter and right. taking Caleb Williams. Right. With Williams goes. Now here's the interesting thing that came out today, or we've heard rumors, something we've talked about. Texas and OU are going to leave early. They're, this is almost a given right now. They're going to do the buyout. They're going to right whether it's an ESPN issue, whether it's an SEC issue, somebody's going to pay that freight. Well, there's, and, and there's, they're going they're going to they're going to be in the SEC next year. There's two things that came out in the last. I'd say 36 hours. It's the Texas OU seeking to leave at the end of this year uh, is now something that's actually gaining a lot of steam. And then the uh, other thing is uh, Fox and ESPN both entered into an exclusive negotiating agreement for the college football playoff with the Big 12 for their uh, broadcast rights. And that happened, I think, late last night is when that news broke. So, yeah, see, um, ESPN's walked away from the Big 10. So that changed a lot of things. And now the Big 10 wants to create or the Here's the big deal, because writing the preview and everything like this, this really came home. The Pac-12 screwed right now. There is absolutely no doubt about that. You you got the the AD of the or the president of the commissioner, commissioner of the conference completely blindsided by USC and UCLA leaving to go to the Big Ten. He knew, did not know anything about that. So then he goes and issues an edict at media day and tells every conference school do not take calls from the Big Twelve or the the Big Ten or the SEC or the ACC. Now that would tell me immediately if I'm a school that's Oregon, Washington, Arizona, uh, Utah, I'm taking every call I can get because I'm not going to be on the Titanic with the rearranging deck chairs. I will guarantee you they already did. Right. Well, they that, already did. Take, I, think take, with, I think with ESPN and Fox, you know, entering into the uh, exclusive negotiating agreement for the Big 12, I actually think the Big 12 now is the viable. Is the four. Is the viable. He's number four. Right. right. They, they, and they've they, added they, enough teams. Right. Oregon, Oregon, Washington. Right. Because has, here, here's the thing. Set, the, the Pac-12 the Pac is talking about adding Boise, adding Fresno, adding San Diego State, that's not going to get that it done. Do so that, the, the thing you do when you add schools is you want to add a large team a market, market, right? right? So the reason why the SEC is so pumped is they're going to get basically all the major markets in Texas added and to Oklahoma and added the, to that, North Texas and Oklahoma. Yes. Right. And so and the same thing with the Big Ten adding um, UCLA, UCLA, LA, UCLA, they add California. They just added the Los Angeles market to their. Well, they added all California because that's who, that's. There's no other yes, teams but, in California, basically. Again, when you're the Pac-12 and, and you're losing teams of that cachet, you're you, there's no schools to pry from other conferences that would move the needle in the. TV well, the well, the Big Ten loves not only the media; they get to go into California and only, start poaching talent at, at will. At that only, point, there's only one crown jewel left, and that's Notre Dame. 
Where, where and we Notre talked Dame about that. Play? That was part of the, the preview deal. Notre Dame, after BYU goes into the Big 12 next year, will be basically other than Army. Army's going to be – and Army can still stay an independent. That's not really a big problem for Army, the Army Academy to do that. We saw Air Force go into Conference USA a couple of years ago. I think they're an American now uh, as they've moved around. But I think when you look at this, the independents are done. Notre Dame has got to pick a, a seat at the table. It's either the ACC is one of the 15 or 16 teams, or they got to go to the Big Ten, which I think the Big Ten, and this is why I said that Texas was a little bit of a surprise going to the SEC because it didn't really align with them. I thought it would be Oklahoma and Oklahoma State going to the SEC, and then I thought Texas would go with Notre Dame to the Big Ten because the schools match up with them. They're more elite type of institutions that I think Notre Dame is going to stay and go to the Big Ten because it gives them a natural rivalry with Purdue. It gives them a natural rivalry with Indiana. It's a geographically centered location for them. I think that, that Notre Dame perfectly fits in the Big Ten. Well, one of the things you always hear about Notre Dame, I've heard for 10 years, is that being an independent in football is is an identity thing. Is that they yeah, but that goes away with the player. Yeah. They treasure right. being – but is it financially viable anymore? I think that's, well, play, the, that's what's going to push right. them towards the, full, the, con- the playoff, full The playoff alliance is going to tell them, no, well, you're, the, you're not part of it anymore. I think the thing that Notre Dame benefits the most from being kind of the last diamond to be. Well, they have NBC after, for right, one thing. Is, is they can kind of dictate the terms of but whatever they, conference they go into, right? Right. They can negotiate to keep yeah. their own network broadcast right. uh, agreement. They, they can. They can negotiate all of those things, and they have all but, the bargaining power, right? I They're said, the last duel. Yeah. Notre Dame can get more money from going into a conference and being part of a conference deal than they get from the NBC deal. So from sure. Financial, financial I'm just saying that's what they got, right? That, that's what they got. Like, like Texas had the Longhorn Network. That was their crown jewel to keep them. And that's, that's why – That's going to be folded into the SEC. Well, that's why A&M left is because the, the Longhorn – once the Longhorn Network was created, A&M's, A&M's days were numbered in the in – the, I think they wanted to the go. Big that, was the, that was the final straw. Right, that, that would kick them out the door, yeah. And that, again – Another thing you have to deal with, too, as we talk about kind of these mega conferences forming is the SEC commissioner has said, I'm fine with expansion of the playoff, but I am not fine with adding additional automatic qualifiers. Right, because so it doesn't help them. He yeah. wants more at-large bids. Right. He wants that, more teams from the SEC to right. be able to here's what I, here, Here's the way I feel. This is what's going to happen. I think they're going to – the first iteration of the college football – and I've called it the football playoff alliance. I think this is what's going to happen. We've discussed a four 16-team conferences with two divisions. Your winners come out to the playoffs, and you have eight teams come out in the playoffs at the very first beginning. I think that's the iteration because everybody will want playoff expansion. That gives it to them. That way you start working in the New Year's Bowls two weeks later and then the championships the week in between the Super Bowl and, and the AFC and the NFC championships. There's a timing issue here that works perfectly for the colleges. We've sent them the recommendation. We know what it looks like. Because you want to keep the New Year's Day bowls with those four games, you could have eight teams go into those bowls. You go west and you put them in the Rose Bowl. You go Midwest and you go, or you go Southwest and you go to the Fiesta Bowl. You have the Sugar Bowl and you've got the Orange Bowl. Those are your four bowl games that matter the most right now. And you don't do it on campus. You don't do anything like that. And you can work it into a four-week window. It'll work out perfectly. To me, what I'm looking at at the end of the day is what what it's going to be named. I think it's going to be 64 teams, and I think it fits perfectly to say, okay, Ohio State, Michigan, still going to be in the in the Big Ten West or whatever, the, the Football Alliance North, whatever they want to call it. 
I think that's where the conference identities are going to go away. They're going away from the NCAA. I will promise you right now, this is going to be an independent thing that has nothing. They're going to say no. the NCAA. They're going to give them the finger out the door as they're going out and say, we're going to control this ourselves. We're going to negotiate the TV package. We're going to have our own committee to no. vote who's going to be in. This is going to have nothing to do with the NCAA. And the first salvo that was fired about that was the lightness imaging thing that happened two years ago. Yeah, there's been a lot of momentum if you look online about pulling away from a football standpoint. Oh, it's going to be it's going to be done. Yeah, it's the, for, for money. Standpoint, as, as you pull said, away from the NCAA. As you said earlier about you know kind of academic alignment with schools, like well, we just need to throw that out the window. There's there, none of these decisions are made based on academic alignment. But if it could be done, that's where yeah. the, the the perfect fit would yeah, have been. This, Te- this if Texas and Notre about, Dame would have went in the Big Ten, this, that would have that would have fit this the is narrative. All about dollars and cents. How and everybody's making big money. How can we control it? And then how are, how are we doing? And, and, and here's what a Pac-10 taking, taking the steps to be like the minor league for the right. NFL, which is essentially what college football is. And, and here's the problem. The Pac-12 paid out the least amount of money to its individual member schools. That's why UCLA and UC, USC are in the Big Ten right, right. now. And the Big, in the Big 12, if they get this football package, they're going to be paying about 35 to $40 million a team out for this college package. And if you really read some of the history about UCLA, they've been unhappy for several years. It's almost it's, a decade. Yeah, it's, it's, right, it's right. really most been of, a while. Decade, right. that, that unhappiness with what's going on. Well, they've, the, it's the, been, the Pac-12 it's le- been the Pac-12 doing nothing. Le- right. The Pac-12 leadership that's not been progressive in terms of you know adding money to the pile. They've been passive so, the whole time. Yes, they've been right. waiting. And that's what's going to cost them because and that, we talked now, now the Big 12's going out. They're going to be right. proactive. Right. They go, you go out and get Oregon, Washington, then whether it's Colorado or the Arizona schools, that's what with, you do. With the schools. And you're adding those big markets right. to your You've added – this is the perfect opportunity for the Big 12. You add – Utah to keep the Holy War in conference. You basically have UT and, and Oklahoma playing between University of Utah and, and BYU. That is a that is a big battle for them. In that state, that means a lot. So you're still getting a Western market there because what you do is you add Oregon, you add Utah, you add Washington, you add Arizona. That gives you the whole West Coast. And you don't have that right now. Basically, Colorado gets I think the Big 12 will tell Colorado to go screw themselves because of them screwing the Big 12 over 10 or 12 years ago. I ultimately think Colorado ends up in the Big 10, ultimately. I think Colorado gets left out. I think they have nothing to offer right now. That's the problem. They're in Denver or they're in Boulder, and I think that you sort of fly over them to get to other locations. You get Utah, you don't worry about Colorado. And you kind of feel bad for Oregon State and Washington State, but nobody's really going after the Pullman and Corvallis markets. Right. We'll see that's they're, they're going sail. They're going after Washington, Eugene, and and and, and well, Seattle. Well, yeah, that's Seattle. Kind of, that's kind of the thing that you had when when A and M and Texas decided to leave the Big Twelve. Right. You have you, you know once Texas finally decided to make that step, it was okay. Well, how can you leave all the little brothers behind? And in Baylor, it doesn't matter. And, well, Baylor had Ann Richards Tech, at the time, right, and, yeah. and Texas Tech had and uh, Mike, it was the, Clayton Hall. Clayton, no, 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 it was the Lieutenant Bullock. Bob yeah, Bullock, Bob Bullock and, yes. So they had the political muscle to get those two schools there where the University of Houston was the other state school. That would have made the most sense. If it, yeah, you know, that's why U of H was kept out. As a state yeah. school. Yeah. But now they're going to be and part U of, of H, And U of H is about to make a big freaking buttload of money in a couple of months or a couple of years. When they come into the Big 12 next year, they probably double or triple their income they're getting I, in from the AA. I would like to see them expand the deck to about a 50,000-seat stadium. Well, I think it'll be automatic. Once they have that happen, I think they'll require every stadium yeah. to be like McLean. I think that'll be the minimum number, which is 56,000 or something and, like that. And remember well, last year, one of the big stories in college football was Cincinnati becoming the first group of five team to ever make the ball. That Houston's got a chance. That is the Houston Cougars. Houston and I'm not saying that because I'm a University of Houston no. alum. But so, you look, 
objective list, they have the best quarterback in that league in Clayton Toon. So they have I'm, one of the best receivers in Tank Dell. Doug I, Belk, their defensive coordinator, is one of the best assistants in the country. I am very concerned to win they go to San Antonio. On that's going to be a that's, great, that's be a trap game. That that's is, a good team. That is a Coach Trailer does a really good. Yeah. And they're, then the, because they will be looking ahead to the matchup in Lubbock the following week. They right, are, Texas Tech. Yeah, that, yeah, I'm with you. That UTSA game is not going to be a walkover. They are that's, favored by four, and I uh, that's a that, tricky that, number here, for me. Here that, is that that Vegas number looks. Very, Here, very here's the interesting thing, and I think that this is the team you've got to watch out for this whole season because they have enough offensive pieces, and I mentioned them earlier. BYU is loaded. They have good enough defense that they can keep some teams down, but they can score 35 to 40 points a game. They have a very good dual threat quarterback. They've got a good running back to transfer them from Cal. They've got two speedy receivers, and they got one of the best tight ends in the country. Defensive side of the ball, they've got good people up front. You know they got linebackers that are undersized but will go to the ball, and their defensive backfield is very good. They're ball hawking-ish. And they'll play very good on special teams. They play the schedule. They play Notre Dame in Vegas. They go to Oregon. They play against Baylor at home in Provo. They have four games on their schedule that will get them into the quality schedule they need for strength of schedule purposes. If they win three of those four ball games, I think they need to be undefeated. But I think a ten and one or eleven and one BYU team is in the conversation. And then you have the conversation at some point of again. I agree with you, Kyle, in the sense that the University of Houston has a schedule that they can potentially go undefeated. Now, if but you, does the, it hurt them? The, the back, the, the the flip side of that coin, is, and you brought up with BYU, they have several quality opponents. That Houston does not have those on the correct. Even if they beat, BYU's looking at went, four top ten Lubbock, opponents already. We'll see how good Texas Tech is. Right. That would be the, the biggest quality win. And remember, they, they do not play either Cincinnati or UCF in conference. See, right. BYU is going to get an SEC type of boost from their schedule. U of H is not going to get that. They're going to have to go undefeated, and they're going to have to have help because of what well, Cincinnati. Not to put a blight on Cincinnati last year, but it's going to put a blight on them because of any Power Five team that's not outside the normal conferences. They're going to look at them first. They're going to look at Georgia over a U of H. They're going to look at maybe a Michigan with one loss over an undefeated U of H. That's where you're going to run into a little bit of a problem. And last year, the differentiator for Cincinnati, that win in South In Notre Dame, yeah. Yeah, that was essentially the the, the, the that kept the Notre main, Dame out and got Cincinnati in. The main point, right? It was uh, you know Notre Dame and Cincinnati had uh, you know Cincinnati had the undefeated record. Notre Dame had the one loss, and it was essentially the head to head. You got had the, head the Bearcats head, in. They yeah. went to Notre Dame and got the win. You know, so now here's where the here's where the benefit happens. Where Baylor comes in for the Big 12, and I think they are predicted to have the opportunity to win the conference championship. Because I think their schedule sneaks up on everybody. They don't have back-to-back tough games. They have games where they can sit up there and and, and be tough against certain opponents. But when when they're they're going through the whole process, Baylor has the BYU game, which is going to be a top 25 opponent. They're going to have Texas. They're going to have Oklahoma. They're going to have enough teams on their schedule this year that's going to put them in a situation where they're going to have a very good strength of schedule, and they're going to have an opportunity with Dave Aranda's team is quality on both sides of the football. They proved that at the end of the year last year, winning their ball game. And I think Baylor's got a big momentum kick because they start out a top 10 team. They can only move up, and I think they're going to catch these teams like Oklahoma and Texas at the right time on their schedule. Well, the problem that you have for Baylor is, one, they made a really good decision in going with their backup quarterback last year as their starter this year. Jerry Bohannon actually transfers out uh, and away from the program, so they go with the backup quarterback who, in the Big 12 championship game, I believe he completed 17 straight passes at one point against Oklahoma State to to get them the victory in the Big 12 championship game. But, again, it goes back to you're going to have, you know, the Oklahoma, Baylor, Texas kind of triumvirate right there. 
this is the year I think Texas does take the big step, right? I think they could. They get to could, nine and three. You yes. could easily see nine and three. I could see ten and two. I could even see eleven and one. With, I see for sure nine and three. With think, Alabama being right. their only loss, right. it's the yeah. way they catch teams this year. And if Quinn Ewers is everything that everybody has said about him, because he is the highest-rated quarterback to come out of high school, and Arch Manning's waiting in the wings in case he's not that good. He, he has. He is the highest-rated quarterback to come out of high school since Peyton Manning. It's not a joke. This guy was a he came out with a perfect composite rating from twenty four seven sports and he was ready to rock and roll. Now if this guy shows that he is that and he can at least get his feet underneath him by the say the second half of the Alabama game and they don't get boat raced in that game, let's say they keep it within two scores. Well, I mean even if they got if they get beat, the thing is a lot of people just have gotten beat by Alabama, especially early in the season. Correct, correct. So it's it's not gonna be damning to them. What they need is a very similar game that we saw three years ago when they played LSU. I think they need that type of ball game where they're in the ball game with them two scores going into the fourth quarter. That was just a very special LSU team when we saw under under that coach and that team and that quarterback. It was a magical season, and it started over at DKR. And so I think that the, you have the opportunity to pull an upset and if they upset Alabama, Alabama's in trouble at that point because they still have Alabama. Or they have A and M. They still have LSU on the schedule. They still have Auburn on the schedule. They have a tough part of the SEC East that they've got to play. So Alabama could be a if they lose to Texas, could be a three loss team because it can magnify itself as the conference goes along. I'll just tell you right now, I think that Texas, if they somehow manage to beat Alabama, that's way Stark having his program way ahead of where it should be. As far as in the well, it's very similar to Manziel knocking off Alabama the first year they were in the conference with the SEC. I think they want this is a litmus test for Texas for one reason: they're going into the SEC. They're sending a message to say we're not just coming in; we're coming in to win, and we're not going to pretend like we're A and M. We're coming in to win the whole thing. Well, I'll go back to the Baylor situation and the, and the quarterback you were talking about is Blake Shapin, last year's backup, who he'll be the starting quarterback. We'll look at the schedule for Baylor. and look, they got a game in week two at BYU. That's certainly not going to be an easy game going to Provo. And then their toughest conference games, they have to go to Texas Tech. They get Oklahoma on November 5th in Norman. That's going to be a, a – Right. But it's balanced out so they don't go back they, to back. Most of their tough games are Oklahoma State, in the back half. TCU, Texas are at home. Right. Also, and then, and so also that, in the back half. Uh, I'm looking about ten and two, looking right. at, this, at this schedule, but it, things break the it right way. It could be twelve and zero. It very easily could be twelve and zero with the right break. Because again, what if Texas loses Bijan uh, Robinson? They actually have. Uh, they R- have a very R- good running R- back, Roshan Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, Roshan yeah, Johnson. Yeah, Don't get me Roshan wrong. Johnson, who is a, an anvil, and then they have a, a transfer, or uh, actually a guy that's coming in as a freshman, and he's like got he's like the number one rated speed guy as a running back in the in the country. So they yeah. actually have a stable of running backs. Oh, they will. They're yeah. Texas. Yeah. That's well, we're looking at the Texas. I talked about Xavier Worthy, but I got to keep it Jordan Whittington. Right. That young man in front out of Cuero is really, really good and, and very fast. And he led a very good the gobbler team last year. Yeah. Well, he was or two a, years ago. Right. He led a state championship team. He'll play a lot in the slot. Very, very quick off the ball. And I think that's can a, catch yeah, everything. If he can stay healthy, you're looking at an 80 to 100 catch season possibly for him. And the one edict that Steve Sarkeesian gave to his staff going into the recruiting trail after this last season was they had to get bigger along the defensive and offensive fronts. And they seem to, by all accounts, accomplish that goal. They'll have a very young offensive line coming in this year, but they've got some big bodies up front. And if yeah, they can, big – Keandre Coburn, 336 pounds out of Westfield. That kid can plug up the middle. They got they got 
quickness at the defensive end. They got all four of their starters back on the defensive line, so and, and that the, should be a strength for and the Sark. Inter- and, the, and the interesting thing is, we as we look west, looking at the Pac-12 and looking at teams out west, obviously you look at Oregon, you look at USC with what they're going to do this year because you've got a coach in there that's going to have offense. The question is, how good is the USC defense? I think they're good enough to get to 10-2, and 9-3. and three. I don't know if they're good enough to get to 11-1 and one or 12-0 and 0 in the first year under Lincoln Riley over there. I think that's going to be more when he goes in the Big Ten, Big Ten West they're going to dominate the Big Ten West. Right, and obviously we talked about Caleb Williams who went with Lincoln Riley to USC. And the question, I, I, they got some nice pieces around him, like a couple of receivers I think that are going to be really, really good. So Caleb Williams can fortify that quarterback position. I think this has a chance to be a really good first season for Lincoln Riley at USC. Yeah. And I think that also when you look at – we talked about Oregon a little bit there they, out of the Pac-12. I think that you look at Utah as the sleeper team over there. They come off a Rose Bowl game in which they played Ohio State tooth and nail to the very end. In fact, they had the early lead in that ball game, and, and I think they were the better team for basically almost three-quarters of that ball game. Uh, Ohio State came out of the locker room and completely changed the whole momentum of that game. But I think that when you look at Utah, that's an 11-1 type of team that very easily – could go through there. And Utah backed out of the Holy War this year, so it's a little bit different the way the scheduling is. They're not playing BYU on the schedule this year. Yeah, Utah's got their starting quarterback coming back, their top running back coming back. Now they're going to have some play, changes to make on defense. Devin Lloyd, their outstanding linebackers now in the NFL. So they're going to have a few changes there. But you're right, they've got the pieces there. And Coach Whittingham has done a really good job with that program. And I think they're ready to – be a consistent contender in well, I think whatever's he, left of the Pac-12. Well, I think he wasn't ready for the Notre Dame job. I think he's ready for this Utah job. I think it's been a really good good program. It's very much like Urban Meyer did before he left to go to Florida. He sort of used it as a stepping stone, and that's when Utah became a prominent program. It, it, it really brought them to prominence enough to be able to have the Pac-12 invite them to come in as the 13th and 14th teams. So I think that when you look at this, the Pac-12, and we talked about it a little bit uh, with the 12 teams, the scrambling that they're doing right now, I, I really feel bad for that conference because they're going to get left out in the dust. I, I just don't see any way around it because there's not going to be five conferences. There's only going to be four, and there's only going to be four divisions, and, and the Pac-12 has nothing to offer right now yeah, if, if the Big 12 gets Oregon, Washington, Utah, and Arizona. Three, yeah. huge, three yeah. huge games in week one uh, on the schedule, at least two that I know for sure. Uh, one of them, Oregon, the number 11 team in the country, going on the road to Mercedes-Benz Stadium to play Georgia. Right, they're playing the three Georgia team in the country. That could be a vault game for them. If, if they win that ball game, then they vault in the top five. If I, if I remember Dan Lanning, the head coach there, was, wasn't he assistant at Georgia? Yeah, he was assistant at Georgia. Yes. And then you have a, uh, a five versus two matchup in Notre Dame going, going to, to the Ohio State on, on Saturday night. Uh, to play that game. That game right now, Vegas has Ohio State as a 17-point favorite, and they're three spots different in, in the, the polls. In yes. the poll. just That just goes to show you how much respect Ohio State is getting this year with the type of weapons that they have. I, I will have. bet Alabama will go in as a 14-point favorite two weeks from now at DKR. Um, and then on Sunday, September the 4th, this not a ranked matchup, but it actually is a matchup between two big-time programs in Florida State and LSU will play right. each other. Also, at they're playing the, at Mercedes-Benz. They will sit, they will play at the Caesars Superdome in right. New Orleans, Louisiana. Well, they changed the name of it, but yes, they're playing. It's it's a home game for LSU. 
There's no doubt about that. And we talked about the weekend. This is a much more advantageous weekend to draw. I think that we're going to look at this weekend, obviously with Thanksgiving weekend, as we're getting ready to set the college football playoffs. The first week of November is usually really good, and the second week of October is usually really good. So we've got a couple of weekends. This is going to be there's, – there's a lot of games this week. I think every team in college football is playing this weekend. I don't think there's anybody – that everybody's playing to get either a tune-up game – Alabama's playing somebody like uh, the Holy School Trinity of the Blind. They're not playing anybody good. They're playing like uh, Kent State or somebody like yeah, that. Yeah, Nick Saban typically plays one really right, good one non, big game, really yeah. good non-conference opponent, which is Texas into, the following week. Right, which, Alabama, right. Alabama will host Utah State. That's Utah State who okay. played UConn last week and struggled to keep right. UConn. Uh, in the that that's se- that's got yeah. 70, to, 70 uh, to nothing written all over yeah, it. Yeah, Bry- Bryce Young, look, look at his chops. Another, He'll play a half. Another good game on the schedule this weekend that I happened to, to look over, and it's a very weird line from Vegas. The number seven team in the country, Utah, going on the road to Florida to play Florida to open the season. That has They have Utah as a three-point favorite on the road at 6 p.m. that Saturday. Now, turning our attention to the NFL as training camps are over with, counting down to the regular season openers coming up a week from tomorrow night. I think that when you look at some of the teams, and we'll take a closer look at both Dallas and Houston as we talk right now, but looking around the different conferences, different divisions, looking at the AFC East first, obviously there's no doubt Buffalo is the team and its favorite. They may be the favorite in the AFC because obviously – we talked about this a couple of years ago. I told you I thought Allen was one of the best quarterbacks in the league coming in out of Wyoming, and he's proven to be everything I could ask for as a quarterback. And he's now probably one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. And the only reason he hasn't gotten into a Super Bowl is that he got outdueled by on the road by Patrick Mahomes. Right. And it's been the defense has really let them down, not the offense. I think that the, the surprise team – I think New England is going to take a step back. Last year, a playoff team. I think this year they do not. I think there's only one team makes the playoffs out of that division because of what's happening in the AFC West, and we'll get to them in a second. I think there's three teams coming out of that division to get in the playoffs. I think the Jets will be improved. I think another year for the quarterback, he will he will be better. I think this is a team that probably gets to around a seven and ten record, maybe a six and eleven record, somewhere in that ballpark. And I just don't know what to really feel right now about Miami. I think this is a team that could be. Nine and nine and eight, ten and seven, but I don't think they're still playoff ish. It got Brian Flores fired last year. You got a new coach in there, and I don't know what the mentality and the the because you had such a angst there of the Deshaun Watson situation between Flores and the GM. It turned into a nightmare the last half of the season, and they won in spite of it. Well, also, they bring our obviously they bring in Tyree Kill from the Chiefs, but he's not going to have Patrick Mahomes throwing. It's going to be Tua Tagovailoa, and can Tua be the guy? Can he be accurate enough to activate some of the weapons? He does have some weapons. It's now going to be up to him to get it done. And you talk about the, uh, you know, the the weird quirks for the Bills, right? It's you know, the Bills will go and oh, they will open the season, the NFL season on the road uh, at the defending champion, the Los Angeles Rams. The defending champion in their opening night game, 19-3 and three straight up in the last 22 times that the defending champ has opened the season. And Vegas actually has the Buffalo Bills as a two-and-a-half point favorite on the road at L.A. to open the season that Thursday night. And, and if Buffalo wins that game, I'm telling you right now, they're going 15-2. and two. As, as tough as their schedule is, because they got Kansas City, they got a number one seeded schedule. I still think they go fifteen and two. 
Yeah, they also brought in Vaughn Miller to a big contract in the course of the season. Uh, how many more elite pass rushing years does he have? You know, I think he has a couple more years where he can be an elite pass rusher. I should improve that defense, that ability to get to the quarterback and take some of the pressure off of Josh Allen and the offense. Very, now, now, very weird situation going on in New England as New England – not naming an offensive coordinator, having Matt Patricia, it's by committee. Matt Patricia and Joe Judge basically handling the duties series by series. Right. Um, now, now, <laughs> you got it this time. I got it next time. No, I'm, usually you defer. I'm willing to acknowledge Bill Belichick's you know, defensive side of the ball. Yes. Decency as a, as a coach from the defensive side of the ball. But, again, they when the cuts were made yesterday, they had another few draft picks that were cut. Um, Bill Belichick's track record in the draft the last four years has been not awful. been good. Yes, yeah. now, there's Mac no, Jones is it. There's, there's no way to describe it. It's been awful, right? Right, well, and so and you you don't have the Tom Brady ish player at the quarterback position to cover up all those warts, to, so to speak, on your program. And it's shown as he's missed the playoffs the last two years. Well, he made it last year. Or well, he made the playoff last year. Squeaked but, in, yeah, right. but squeaked in right. and 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 really has struggled. And Buffalo took care of that. And really has struggled to kind of maintain. Uh, his ability to be kind of in that upper tier of teams. In the I think he's on the back end, even though that he's still the coach there. I think he was hoping to get something out of Mac Jones, including last year's playoff run after missing two years ago. I think that was his sort of Waterloo to make up for the Tom Brady thing with Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl. I think that is a bigger stinger for him with Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl two years ago than, than him even getting to the playoffs and losing the first round last year. Well, normally you kind of defer to – Belichick knows what he's doing after winning six Super Bowl rings, but, but this was going on. You do have to question, you know – At the end, how much goes it, How yes. close it's, is he to retirement? I, it's the thing I've always said about Bill Belichick. He has zero skins on the wall without Tom Brady as his quarterback. He That's he, absolutely he true. He just has zero skins on the wall. I mean, and Bri- and, and for the other side, Brady but, does have but, one. But, but think about this one thing. This, this is what we talk about. We compare it to other sports. It's the same thing when you talk about a great coach like Pat Riley. You talk about a great coach. Uh, different coaches have coached superstar talent. Look at the coach that coached Chicago, and he goes to L.A. you got two superstars there. you got two superstars in both places. You're going to win championships. So Tom Brady did carry them. It made Belichick better, and I think it elevated Belichick – to cover up any mistakes he made. I think it's a lot like – I think in the NFL, the quarterback position is so important that, like Peyton Manning, whenever he was excellent in the middle of his career, like he had bottom five defenses on his teams, you know, and he was able to carry them to a number one or a number two seed every year. Why Why was he able to do that? Because the quarterback is such a valuable piece to a team. He can really cover up a lot of warts in, a, in, a, in, a, in an organization. And, and we saw it here in Houston when – when Deshaun Watson was playing at the top of his game, there were areas on the team, especially in the draft department where our roster was not deep as a Houston Texans fan, where Deshaun Watson was able to overcome some of those inequities to get us to, you know, sustain success in the playoffs. That's why they say the drafting the quarterback position is the most important in the NFL. If you, you, if, you, if you get the quarterback right. position wrong, you've – Set well, the even, franchise back for maybe here's a decade. The thing. Houston got it right and still set the franchise back five years because really it took them two years to overcome what Deshaun Watson has meant after signing the long contract, having the sexual allegations against him. This has been a two-year window that luckily they probably got the quarterback situation right. We'll know that probably toward the end of this year compared to what we saw last year. But obviously when you look at that, but turning our attention to the North, the AFC North, Joe Burrow has a team now that probably is the best team in the division. They've improved defensively. They're going to be really good this year. Is Baltimore the second-best team in that division now because of what's going to happen with Sean Watson sitting out for the first 12 weeks? Then also, 
you look at Pittsburgh, they're going to go through a transition with their quarterback. There's no bend to cover up a lot of ills right there. But Tomlin has made the playoffs pretty much every single year. What's going on in Pittsburgh this year? What we're going to see from them? First of all, first of all, the key, the Bengals addressed the big thing I needed to address in the right. offense, which is the offensive line, because Joe Burrow took an awful lot of – he got to the Super Bowl last year without a good offensive line. He was getting beat around, and they have addressed that. We'll see if that comes to fruition. That group can come together. That talented group can come together. But you look at the Baltimore Ravens, and I don't think they get enough credit. I don't think John Harbaugh gets enough credit for what they've done. Well, the Aussie knew some things. The the last last 10 to 15 years, they kind of know who they are, but the big question with them was what's going on with Lamar Jackson. Right. Well, again, I think there's – Lamar Jackson has already made it clear. Once they go into week one, the deadline – Contract conversation's over. The deadline for him to discuss an extension is over, and he will go into the last year of his deal. Uh, playing the fifth-year option as he was a first-round quarterback taken in the draft. Um, but what will ultimately happen from from that is you, you have a division. I don't think – I as good as the AFC North has been, I don't think that's the best division in, even in the AFC this year. No, no the West is. No. The AFC West is going to be a gauntlet, and I'm, I feel – terrible for those teams that are going to have to play each other, but it is going to be a conflict. Three teams are coming out in the playoffs for that I, division. I actually firmly believe that the Las Vegas Raiders will win that division. That team is loaded and Derek Carr finally has the weapons he needs to be successful. Well, it's going to be make or break. Devontae Adams, it, it's yeah, that's already a, a good it's, it's Hunter Renfro in the slot and then a good right. tight end, Darren Waller. That is as and good they, a receiving yeah, group, pass catching group. They got don't, don't forget, they got Josh Jacobs in right. the backfield. That team is loaded from an offensive standpoint. It's, it's Now, the defense is oh. going to be the question. They're going to have to win 42 well, to 35 Max Crosby can go get the quarterback, right. and the question will be, I think, on the back end of their defense. Just secondary. And, and again, I, I, they, they cut Alex Leatherwood, a first-round offensive tackle, so it looks like they're shoring up the offensive line and kind of, you know, removing the – pruning the last remnants of the Mike Mayock, John Gruden era, so to speak, as far as the draft classes go. And the and, rumor was this week we heard something about Dana White involving himself in a situation where Tom Brady and Gronkowski would have been sent to the Raiders at one point or another. They were going to buy their way into the Raiders. I don't know how this is going to work out. But Tom Brady and, and Rob Gronkowski were going to be Oakland Raiders when they moved to Vegas, it was going to be the stepping stone move for Davis to bring in and make the splash move at that point when he had still had John Gruden. Yeah, and, and, and again, I think the AFC, going back to the AFC North, um, you know, ultimately I think it's the Bengals' division to lose. Um, I think the Ravens and the Steelers are always going to be tough outs. I think um, Ravens are second-best team in that division right now on paper. I will tell you right now, I will be very concerned if somehow – the Browns are able to man- navigate those 11 weeks around 500 and Deshaun Watson. I don't think they can. That schedule well, is a if bear. They, if they somehow manage to get they, – they could go – they could they could lose seven in a row. There's a stretch in that schedule where they could yeah, lose seven before in they a row. play the Texans. Now, I'll say, Jacoby Brissett's not the worst option you can have in terms of a guy who can manage the situation until but Deshaun's ready to play. That schedule is a – Right. Not, I, there's is, a, there's a stretch for about two months, man, that's just they're, wow. They're playing – until they play the Texans, which is going to be a huge game – that that's, may, that may that, be flexed into Thursday night. Or, you think they purposely that that was going to be the game where Deshaun returns, he comes to Houston, right? What kind of grading you think he's going to get? So just to give you kind of a rundown of the the weeks that Deshaun will miss, they go to the Panthers the first week of the season. That's a Baker Mayfield revenge game. I think the Browns have zero chance of winning that game. I think they're on the road to open the season. The Panthers have a decent team. Right. Remember, Sam Darnold quarterback the, the, that the team, first, the, and when they were healthy last year, they were they were 4-0 undefeated playing. The first five weeks, they're okay. They they can go 2-3 and three in the first five weeks. 
Week six, you started a gauntlet for – or week five, you started a gauntlet that they go seven games, which includes Buffalo, Kansas City. Look at the schedule. Just in a row, just in a row after they go through, they have the Falcons in week four. After that, it goes home for the Chargers, home for the Patriots, at the Ravens, home for the Bengals, at the Dolphins, at the Bills, home for the Bucks, And in that stretch – there's a chance they could lose all seven of yeah, those games. Yeah. I that think is, they may go six of one That is six. a murderous stretch. Yes, yeah, that, that's the stretch that will define their season one way or the other. You could go one and six there, but I could see them winning the game. I think you mentioned that the, the fourth game there. Who was the soft team that they had in there? Uh, they have the home for the Chargers, home for the Patriots, at the Ravens. They could beat the Patriots. Home for the Bills. That, depending upon how they're going. At the Bills and home for the Bucks. Because I think they're going to only see one winnable game. Right, the Patriots. Right, I looked at that. I think that's game. one and six is maybe the best they can do. And what? The, and, if, and if you're a Houston, Texas fan, you're rooting for worst case scenario. Go one and 11 or one and 10 in that stretch if you can. Because or, you have two, two, top 20, two top 20 draft picks. Right. You know, and, and, and ultimately you have a situation where – you know, if that team can somehow – that would be a minor miracle. If they're able to navigate 500 or close to 500 by the time they get out of that stretch. Seven tenths a miracle. That, that would be a miracle season for them. If they can somehow get into the playoffs, I do think they have one of the more talented rosters in the league. All right. I think they're – Especially right. no Jockers. Like they're really good tight end. They got good – I think they, they have a good running game. They have Amari Cooper who came they ride over the, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they're the Nick in, Chubb at running back. So they, they have Chubb talent there, yeah. Hunt in the backfield, they they have a loaded offense, right? And their defense is nothing to scoff at. Miles Garrett's on the defensive side of the ball. He can get after the quarterback. They have a pretty good defensive backfield. So that's a team right there that if they can somehow still be in contention for a playoff spot when Deshaun Watson gets back, they I, have know, five weeks. Watch, watch I know, out. Yeah, I know right. the first game coming back is going to be a nightmare. They're coming to Houston. He, scored, he, he spurned the franchise. He left on, on bad terms. You know, it's going to be a rough night for him whenever he – Yeah, he did a rough day when he plays. He, and I actually think that game gets flexed in, because that's when they begin to flex games. I actually think that game, if the Texans are even – Yeah, there's so many, so many storylines yeah, involved so in that. Yeah, there's no way to massage that. this thing in any way, shape, or form to make it even better. And, and, and I think that's a game that potentially if the Texans are playing – Reasonable. If they're right, the if they're right around five hundred, maybe five and six, six and five. Yeah, yeah. That, that'll be a game that gets flexed, and 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 it's a situation where if if they can somehow squeak into the playoffs, the the Browns are going to be a very dangerous team to deal with too. But I think that when you talk about the seven teams that are going to make the playoffs this year, or six, I don't know what they settled on finally. It's seven. It's seven, it's seven. Yeah. So if you've got one team that's going to have the bye. I think that's Buffalo. We'll put them off to the side right now and say Buffalo is going to be the team with the bye. We look at the AFC West. Denver's going to be improved. They've got the, obviously the better of the deal because the trash that, that Seattle got in return for the Wilson deal, they got a tight end and they got the a big quarterback. Thing is the draft picks. Right. The draft picks. Right. They, they got the, 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 the draft the thing choices. The in the NFL is draft picks are gold, right? Right. And, and the Texans are set. Texans have 12 picks in the draft next year, and I think that's very interesting for them because that's depth that Casario can either work with it because he saw him move some picks around and combine some picks to be able to move up in the draft. And I think this is where we're proving that this guy plays chess instead of Rick Smith playing and Bill O'Brien playing check. I, I will tell checkers. you they were able to improve their team today using their number two waiver claim spot. We're able to claim Tyler Johnson from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who was a surprise cut as a receiver. 
Right. That's he, a nice addition. He's, he's yeah. your number three he, right there. He, he, he made some plays when right. I saw him. He gets cut from Tampa Bay. He is added by the Texans as they claim him on waivers, and he will be a That's Houston Texan pending a physical, of course. But The uh, one player I wish they would have gone after, the New Orleans safety that went up to uh, – Minnesota, I think they had an opportunity there. If they made that deal right there, this team could be at minimum seven and ten, maybe eight and nine this year. I think they're going to make a jump because last year they were five and twelve. This was a team that was on the cusp a couple of ball games. They upset some teams, but they also lost some games that they were right there in that they weren't able to complete. And I think that, that Davis Mills is good enough to take this team to another level. And I think that when you look at the AFC South right now, obviously it's it's Tennessee's division to win. Obviously, the health of, of your running back, you want to keep him healthy because last year that stretch where he went down, he was not the same running back in the playoffs as he was leading up to the first 13 weeks of the season. So there's some very interesting storylines in the AFC South this year, right? You have Matt Ryan coming over from the Falcons to the Indianapolis Colts to take over for Carson Wentz as, let's face it, the Colts went to Jacksonville the last week of the season and they laid an They egg choked. And, and the owner was not happy. Everybody was put on notice. He said, this cannot ever happen again. But they've so done it every year. So, <laughs> so he goes, It's so a he, holiday yeah. tradition. So he goes and he gets – uh, Matt Ryan, who's a completely experienced quarterback with a, an already uber talented running back, the problem that Jonathan they have Taylor, on, yeah, the problem that they have on offense is they have a lot of unproven weapons on the offensive side of the ball in the skill position. and the wide right. receivers, yeah. Uh, and then Chris Ballard's done a pretty good job building that roster out. So, the, but the defensive uh, line, offensive but line, the skill really position, good, yeah. particularly at quarterback, has been a question mark, and obviously a little bit at wide receiver. Like you talk about Jonathan Taylor's one of the best. Yeah, Ty Hilton's the been their and best I, receiver. And offense, that offensive line with Quentin, Quentin Nelson anchoring it is really good as well. And the defense is is solid. And there's not a star on that side, but it's really really solid unit. Storyline coming out of the Tennessee Titans after last year is you know the Tennessee Titans team was good enough to beat the Cincinnati Bengals in the playoffs. Problem is Ryan Tannehill didn't take care of the football. Drafting Malik Willis in the first round this year, if they get off to a rocky start, how soon do you start hearing week the rumblings for Malik Willis week to week be five. the starting quarterback? Mid-season at the latest, yeah. Right. You know, and then, then obviously you have the situation with the Texans. The Texans are kind of in a, a win-win situation here, you know. They can see what Davis Mills is this year. If Davis Mills is the answer, they're going to get around a – you know, early teams draft pick, I, I assume, best case scenario. Maybe you go get him another weapon. Right, you, you can go get and him. And you have the Browns pick. It's going to be somewhere Or there. if you have a disastrous year, Side Mills is not the guy. you got a couple of guys yeah, at the top got, of the draft. you got, you you got, got three two, guys at the top of the draft. you got two get. for sure and potentially three franchise. Yeah, your Kentucky quarterback and Alabama. Right, young, young and Stroud and right. the kid and, from Kentucky. I think his name is Nevis or, or Novis ne- or Slovis or – or is it Matt Nevis, I think? Matt I think Nevis. so. I think that's what it is. But but that guy is, is, is super sought after in professional circles as well. And I think Jacksonville is going to be improved because of the coaching situation has changed because I, we didn't know how yeah. bad the Urban Meyer situation was. We're finding it out now just how bad Jackson, it was. Jacksonville is going to be a situation where it's very much a it's an assessment of the talent you have in the program, right? Right. You know, you had you drafted Travis Etienne last year. He hurt himself before the season even started. You never even got to see your second your 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 second pick from that draft last year, as you had uh, Trevor Lawrence who didn't play well. Uh, and 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 how could a rookie quarterback play well under the situation that was right. going on in Jacksonville? I think you kind of wiped that one off the board for Trevor Lawrence. He gets this kind is, of a fresh. This start. is his ri- rookie year, you really. Know, and, and and by all accounts, he's going to be the guy. It's just about you know. I think right. Doug Peterson is actually an ideal person to put with Trevor Lawrence. He's done with he young is, quarterbacks before. He is right. 
what I said about when I did the preview for both the Texans and the Jaguars, that neither one of those coaches were particularly sexy picks, but I think they were solid picks for those franchises right. because, as you said, last year Trevor Lawrence was just as bad a situation from a coaching standpoint as he could be in. And Doug Peterson, he, this team, man, quarterback, this man led Philadelphia to a Super Bowl title with Nick Foles. And Trevor Lawrence is a much more talented quarterback than Nick Foles. So if they can get a much improved performance out of Lawrence, that, you can see a Jacksonville team go to six wins. I think the same thing with Levy Smith. I think he's settled down, right, the situa- he's settled think, down a lot of the right. turmoil around the franchise. Well, I, I, think, I think the players in the locker room really trust him. He's a vet, he's a veteran coach. Again, not, not sexy, but he's not somebody where – Everybody was saying, "Yes, that's the guy we want." But I think he's a solid guy for this group of this group of, of players. I think the, I think seven wins is what they're looking at. The Texans would be really happy. I think with a seven and ten season, have an opportunity to go up from there and be in playoff contention next year. The one thing I think you'll see, especially this year, and you'll hear a lot of uh, going throughout the season, Trent Baalke is in his last year uh, as the in a contra- under contract as the GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, yeah, it'll be a lot really, of scuttlebutt. Yeah. This is really kind of a make or break year for the to owner, show what his draft the, was. The owner to kind of evaluate Khan, the talent, yeah. to the talent that Trent Baalke has put put in place. Um, you know, basically, it, it's, a, it's a situation where Doug Peterson could potentially outlast and have a new GM as part of right. uh, the rebuild process in Jacksonville uh, this year. Um, and and it's an opportunity for you know that team to kind of find what they need. And, and again, I'm not certain that they got the pick right at number one this year. I, I'm, I'm not sold on Trayvon Walker as far as, uh, now, he was less productive than some of his Georgia right. teammates. I'm, he's he's uber talented. Don't give me wrong. If he gets the right coaching, but is he gonna be one of those guys that you look at down the line and say, "Well, there were three, there were better. three or four guys." Is Hutch, Hutchinson gonna be a, right? I, Hutch, Hutchinson should have been the number one pick. That's not. And he's I, got a non. He and, reminds me so much a little bit of JJ Watt. And it's just Sting, nonstop, gray athlete, nonstop mode. And Stingley's gonna be amazing. I just think this guy is gonna be a lockdown quarterback. He could be the next Daryl Revis. Well, the thing that you have in today's modern NFL, right, is you have to be able to shut down one side of the field. If you can do that, it makes everything for your defense. And you put Petrie on. And I love Jalen Petrie. Petrie was a great Very, very versatile safety. A guy can cover. Come come get the ball. He can play run defense. He can play sport the run defensively. That's why I say that the New New Orleans safety, to pair with Petrie in that defensive backfield, would have made Houston at least three deep in the defensive backfield. And all you'd have to do is go chase down another cornerback in the draft next year. But what you're seeing from Nick Sario, and he's essentially shown this throughout his first two years, is he is wiping the salary cap book clean. That's what he has has essentially done. He's not taking He's killing contracts. He's not taking on any additional salary. He's not taking salary on from other teams. He traded away Ross Blacklock on uh, yesterday, and he got a good deal for to, it to the Vikings. He got a six, they were going to cut him, and they got two drafts. Yeah, um, and so you know you're seeing him kind of wipe the salary book clean. They're going to have the most salary cap room in the league next year. Whenever they go into free right, agency. if they show improvement this year, they could land some pretty good free agents. There, there yeah. is a defensive lineman available next year from the San Francisco 49ers yes. that there is no doubt should be. And we're not talking about Joey Bosa. You, you should, you should, you should. Or be, Nick Bosa. It is Nick Bosa. Yes. Nick Bosa will be available next year. Uh, he's in the last year of his contract. Would you throw the big money? Yes. It's JJ Watt 2.0 is what that would be. You have a lot of opportunities to go get. We're talking really about 150, at least 150 million guaranteed money right there. Which is probably five years, 30, 30 which, million dollars per is, year. Which is why I say you're still in a win-win situation because if Davis Mills is the guy, he's still on his rookie deal 
for he's two more on, years. He's still on third right. round salary. Right. That's what people don't he's, understand. A lot of these young quarterbacks, they play well. That gives you an opportunity to improve your roster because you're not paying the big, here's the big franchise exa- money here's to your the, quarterback. Here's the big example. Look at Russell Wilson in Seattle for a long time. The five years they were able to build a Legion of Doom. The moment that, that Russell Wilson had to be paid, defense got shit on. It was gone. It was no more. There was no defense left. You, you said goodbye to Bobby Wagner. You said goodbye to, to every defensive back that was good on that team. You basically said goodbye to the whole – the offense stayed pr- fairly well intact, but the defense was gone. Yeah, now, you know, as we move over to the NFC, you have, you know, kind of – the way I view the NFL this year is you have a lot, about maybe four, third, 12 teams in the AFC that can compete, and you have maybe four in the NFC that are at, Super Bowl the, contenders. at the top, and then there's a big drop-off, right? right? And – you know, with the NFC, the NFC East is kind of the division that will always kind of be up in the air because there is no dominant team in the NFC East. I actually think the Philadelphia Eagles will go, right. go past and win, Cowboys and win this division going away this year. Right. The Cowboys lost their left tackle. They have a lot of injuries across the board. They're struggling to find a number two wideout. Yeah, the wide receiver core is down. Um, I love AJ. The Eagles getting AJ Brown as right. the number one receiver for. Jalen Hurts and, and and the Eagles will open on the road against the Detroit Lions and and that's you know that should be a win opportunity for them to get a win to get get their season started. The Cowboys actually open at home. They host Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, yes. Buccaneers. And Tom Brady, who I think that's a Sunday night game. When he played in his last preseason game, did he look like he was in rhythm or what? That guy just rolls out of bed ready to throw the football. And I think that when you look at the AFC East, I think Washington still maybe a couple of drafts, a couple. Of, they got to get the quarterback situation right in there because obviously the Dwayne Haskins thing. It's so sad what happened in the offseason last year and him dying in the tragic way that he did. But Dwayne Haskins was never going to be the answer. He never basically opened up the playbook. They had to move on. And I think that when you look at this team right now, the question is the injury status of Young. If he can be ready to play starting the season out, and if he's not healthy all year long. That really puts a big question on the defensive side of the ball. And I have heard four weeks on right. Chase Young. He well, might miss the four, first four weeks of the season. Well, I did my preview. I looked at the off-the-field situation with the toxic the situation around Daniel Snyder. Right. And I think for them to move on as a franchise, he needs to sell the, here's the thing. He needs to sell the Here's the thing. What happened with Jer- Jerry Richardson in, in Carolina – how in the hell has Dan Snyder held on to this team in Washington as long as he has? And he's got 18,000 more skeletons in the closet than Jerry Richardson ever did. And I just don't think they're going to be able to move forward until that situation is he's gone. Fine, yeah. finalized yeah. one way or the other. I yeah. think if you're NFL, other NFL owners, you want him out because he's, he's, toxic. he's destroying He's destroying the brand right. of one of the flagship franchises in the league. But, no, but, but he can't go in there and say that automatically and just say, we're getting rid of him because he's a bad owner. That's that you he paid the rights to have that team. He paid right, the he four he four hundred million dollars or whatever. There's he not paid an for obvious him. situation like the NBA had with Donald Sterling right. to get him to get him out. Now the one thing you will have with a, another team in that division who has brought in a new regime, Brian Dayball takes over as the head coach of the New York Giants. Uh, really a make or break year for Daniel Jones as the quarterback of the New York Giants. As this and Saquon Barkley's got to stay healthy. They they picked up his option. He's playing his last uh, year on the contract, and then um, you know you have the you know a situation where Dayball is is he going to be Dayball's guy? Is Dayball going to bring in the quarterback for his tenure to start building? Right, of course, a, Dayball coaching Josh Allen the last few years as the offensive coordinator in Buffalo. Right. I and I love what they did in the first round, getting Kayvon Thibodeau where they did. And, they, and, they, and they, yeah. they also got the kid from Alabama, yeah, the first Neal. Start, the, Neal. Yeah, Evan Neal, they have the left so they. But but that's the thing. The, the line was on I, both sides was really a key I, area for, and they addressed with 
the two best players at, those, at that position. Right. I think this the draft. is a, I think the Giants are in the very same boat that the Carolina Panthers are in. You've got to have your future running back stay healthy all season long. He's got to be there for 14, 15, 16 games. Because if he's not, you're not going to have a good season. Yeah, and, and, and again, it's a, it's a roster that they're in a transition-type period where they're going to do some assessing of what they have in-house. Again, by all accounts, their first draft was really good. Um, I think Kayvon Thibodeau was probably the second-best defensive line prospect in the draft. Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson's the best uh, defensive line prospect in the draft. Um, and a, a situation where I think Brian Dayball is going to start morphing that offense to be kind of what he wants it to be. And it really starts with uh, a quarterback that can do it all from the top of the draft. And if that's Daniel Jones, fine. If not, next year you can hopefully go in a draft or go in another direction and hope to find the quarterback uh, Dayball's looking for. The quarterback from Kentucky, I, I view would fit there. As yeah. a, I view as a really good fit there, maybe around the fifth or sixth. Right, because be, yeah. the Giants may land in that mid looking at teams yeah, or mid- looking at the NFC South. Obviously, it's Tampa Bay's division. I think it's very similar. Tampa's division is very comparable to the NFC or the AFC East. I think you've got one team that's very, very highly thought of, could be a Super Bowl contender, should be a favorite in the, in the conference whatsoever. you got Brady coming back off retirement, now not retired. I think that he is not retired now because it didn't go the way he wanted it to. I think that the media sort of forced him in that retirement. I think it wasn't the way Tom Brady wanted to go out. I think he wanted one more year. And this, I think this may be a swan song, especially if he goes and wins the Super Bowl, but Tom Brady playing at 65 years old, it's going to become a little bit more problematic the farther it goes along. But someday he's going to get old. I mean, it's eventually going to happen. But the rest of the division looking at it, is this a big year for Carolina? Do they have to make the step up getting Baker Redfield to solve the quarterback situation? Christian McCaffrey's got to stay healthy in that situation because they've got to have his explosiveness in the backfield. Well, and looking at, at Tom Brady and at this point in his career, the one thing he, he can do that he did when he was in his prime is he can't live, I think, by himself. Right. He's going to have to have the right talent around. And he does have good stuff. You still have Mike Born Evans and backfield. Chris Godwin is coming back off his injury. So, you still have two, two really good receivers there. But the offensive line, obviously, they lost a couple of offensive linemen. So that's going to be a little bit in flux. I think the defense should be pretty solid. And they got obviously, they got rid of – but the, they're the, the, most, the former the former head coach had a kind of toxic relationship at the end with Bruce Arians, yeah, Arians, right? So, and, uh, so my my take on the uh, NFC South is the Falcons are obviously going to be a team that's in rebuild mode. They're starting Marcus Mariota at quarterback. They're going to be in play for. They Marcus have their, no, they have their quarterback. Well, they drafted the they young drafted, quarterback. They drafted, they drafted what's the name from Cincinnati? Uh, right, Ritter, Ritter, Ritter. Yeah, Ritter. Ritter. Right, but they are starting Marcus Mariota. Right. They're going to be. In they don't want to put Ritter behind that line for one of the top picks. What'll end up happening, I think, is you know you'll you'll have Atlanta be one of the worst teams in the way. I struggled to find three wins on their schedule. To be honest, right? It's it's, it's a brutal. I schedule. think it's two and fifteen for them. Um, looking at their numbers, but you'll have Atlanta if they really truly believe that Ritter is the guy going forward. They'll have one of those picks that could be used to take the quarterback. Maybe they go get Will Anderson. And w- well, what they right. will, what they will the ultimately, what they will ultimately end up having is they'll have a pick that they can kind of put up for auction uh, with a team. Yeah, you get more picks, yeah. yeah. Like, if you still want to go get somebody, like something like that, like, yeah. Teams like Washington, teams like Detroit, if Jared Goff's right. not the guy. Maybe know? the Giants moving up to get a quarterback right. if they feel like Daniel Jones are not the answer. Right, because they can auction that pick for somebody to come up and go get yeah, a you, Young or a Stroud or a Nevis. Because you have two franchise changers at the top of the draft this year. 
And I oh. think the New Orleans is a little bit of a question mark because they're good in between. Def- yeah. I think they're good def- defense. I think they're going to be around a 500 team. They were on the cusp of the playoffs last year. This is not a team that moved on from Drew Brees. Now the quarterback situation, Jameis Winston, supposedly, this is the funny joke about Jameis Winston, said he had LASIK surgery in the offseason. Now he knows which color he's throwing to. I will, I will just tell you. The New Orleans Saints are the team that I think will surprise the most people this year. Could that, go ten and seven and that, get playoffs. That team is going to be a tough team to play. I think they will challenge the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the division. Uh, I actually think three teams out of the division make the playoffs. That's Matt. Rule. You think Carolina is going to get them in? I think Carolina. I think this is going to be the best version of Baker Mayfield you've seen since Oklahoma. I think he will be. He just has that prove it mentality this year. It's going to start in week one, and if they can keep Christian McCaffrey on the field, that team is a 10 to 11. That's the biggest yeah. issue, is I, McCaffrey. I, 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 that's something I thought about. Baker Mayfield's always been at his best when people have questioned him right. the most. Yes, absolutely. When, he's when he has a chip on his shoulder. Right, when he has a chip and, on his shoulder, that's when he plays his let's best. Let's not forget, he played last year as essentially a walking ambulance. Right, he, he was, was hurt. Right, he was he banged up the entire year. He had a torn labrum. He had a knee issue at the time. I mean, this guy did everything he could. And he is healthy. The respect of his locker room by staying on the field. And yeah, gutted it out. Essentially, the owner decided that he wanted a better quarterback, and that's where he went. I think Baker Mayfield shows a lot of people this year that he is worthy <laughs> right, of the he's pick good. that he was taken, kind and of a he leads the Panthers. F.U. mentality. Right? Well, that's what he said. He said that to a Buffalo Bills sideline reporter last week after the game was over with. He said, I'm going to F them up the first game we play them. <laughs> that's always when he's at his best. Yeah. So I think that, make, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and, and again, I think the NFC South has a chance to get three teams in because there's just not enough depth, depth in the other divisions for teams to get in. I mean, you, you, there's not really a second – I mean, people, let's say Dallas and Philadelphia in the East. People are high right there. I, I actually, I think Dallas struggles to get to nine wins this year. Their schedule. I'm just saying, if they're in the playoff contention, they could knock yeah, out Zeke's somebody. Not, Zeke's not well, the same they, player he he's, was. He's not, he's, I they, mean, the receiving core is a little bit banged up. I mean, well, Ceedee Lamb is the, kind of the only. The odd number of games is going to throw this into a little bit more of a quandary instead of just the eight and eight package or the nine and seven. That 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 seven and ten that that number right there or the ten and seven is going to throw some some monkey wrenches in there because I think that's where you get a you get into a Carolina, you get into a Dallas. I think Philadelphia gets to be eleven and seven. I think that's their number. That are 11 and, uh, 11 and 6. I think that's the number they're looking at. You look at the NFC North, obviously it's Green Bay's division. They're going to run away with the division. They're the best team in the division. Is Minnesota the second best team in the division? Because I don't think Chicago and Detroit are anywhere near playoff contending teams. The problem you have with the Cowboys is the Cowboys have a first-place schedule with a far less talented team right. than they had last year. They're going to suffer yeah, they had attrition. So, right. so, so you have, you, you've already lost your left tackle for at least four to six weeks in the season. All right, so that's that's kind of where we're at here as the storms begin to roll in. Uh, here's here's your, a sixty percent chance you, of rain. You've already lost your left tackle for at least the first four weeks of the season as he ripped his hamstring off the bone, so he's going to he's be gone. gone for a while. Right. All right, and then obviously you you get rid of Amari Cooper, he goes to Cleveland. Now you don't have the weapon. You have C.D. Lamb, but Michael Gallup's hurt to open the season. You don't have the additional weapons on the outside. You got an okay tight end, not the great tight end. Ezekiel Elliott is right. on the back half of his career. He's no longer now. You have a good backup the, running back behind him. That's the one thing they do have a one-two punch at running Pollard, back. Yeah, yeah they, Pollard, they, Pollard, Pollard. But again, you 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 get teams like the Rams on the road. You got you got. Let me pull it up here. 
Yeah, yeah their, their schedule toughens gotta, up a you, lot. You host the Buccaneers. You host the Bengals in the first two weeks of the season. Then you go on the road to the Rams in week five. You go on the Loss. road to the Eagles after that. You play the Rams and the Eagles back-to-back. Right. So their schedule doesn't set up well. You go to the Packers, to the Vikings back-to-back. Like, these are not yeah, easy. Yeah, clusters of yeah, tough games. These are, game these are not close. easy games that they have to deal with. You have to – you have you well, That's what I'm saying. I think that's why they're a 500 Eagles, team you host right in that you number. You the Titans in week right. 16 or week 17. Right. Like, these are not easy games that they have. And, you know, they will get the benefit of having to play the – getting to play the Texans, getting to play the Lions, getting to play the Bears, getting to play the Jaguars. But we don't they're know what Texas – we don't know what Texas team is going to go in there in December. They're going to get three right. out of four of those games right. as a W, right? So so you have an opportunity where you are able to stack up some easy wins, but you're a tough game. That's why I'm saying that. That's a 500 – At the back end of the schedule, right. That, that's why I think they're a 500 team. And I think that's where the comparison yeah. comes in to a Carolina, to a New Orleans, to a Minnesota – which will be the teams that are continuing. And then look at the NFC West. you got a major problem there because you do have San Francisco. You do have the Rams. You do have Arizona. Seattle's going to be the only team that's going to go like 5-12 and 12 next year because this may be Pete Carroll's last year in his last year with what happened of trading the, the, the Russell Wilson thing. I, just, I, I think he's on the back end of his, his clock too. I just don't think the Cardinals are a good team this year. I just – I, I, think I don't ha- buy into Cliff Kingsbury as a coach. But Kingsbury's been a coach. So His teams have faded at the end of the right, season. Right, there were 7-0 to start so the season. The, the Cardinals are always good to begin the season, and they fade like nobody's business in the middle of the season, right? Well, right now you have to go on. In the beginning of the season, you have Kyler Murray coming off of his studying uh, clause in his contract, right? There's obviously some distrust there from front office to quarterback. Right. All right. Now, not only that, but you have De- Deshaun or uh, DeAndre Hopkins missing the first six weeks of the season due to a PED suspension. Right. So you have key opportunities there on your offense or key key players are not going to be available. They're not going to be available, or they're not going to be in the right headspace. Uh, as you, you don't know what Kyler Murray is going to look like in, in the first four games of the season, given what he dealt with in right. his contract negotiations in the offseason. And so now you have a, a team that typically fades in the second half, and they're going to have a tough first half to put it all together. So when you get to the second half of the season, it w- was it too tough to put together in the first half? And then you've got to face a tough division anyways, right. because now you have the San Francisco 49ers who have decided to go to Trey Lance. And right. if now, and then the dynamic for Trey Lance has completely changed now too, because Jimmy Garoppolo was able to renegotiate a contract where he stays. He stays in San Francisco for the rest of the remainder of his contract this year. Right, it's a six point five million dollar salary. He's the highest paid backup in the league. And and if Trey Lance doesn't play well, this is the same Jimmy Garoppolo you can go to him. that took the 49ers to the and NFC that, Championship game and has also taken them to the Super Bowl. And for well. me, San Francisco's the most talented roster in the division. If they get quarterback play, whether it's from Lance or from Garoppolo. I think they win that division, even over the Rams. And I think the Rams are right there. I think they're looking at a, let's just say, a 12-5 and five season, somewhere around 11-6, 12-5. I think the same thing for San Francisco. And I know that you're sort of sliding Arizona. I think the interesting thing about Arizona is they're not going to have DeAndre Hopkins for the first eight games, but they're going to have him for the last nine games. And I think that could be a difference maker bringing him back. It could be something that jump starts the remainder of their season, which they haven't had the last two years. Well, it'll just be interesting. Like I said, and they need a healthy J.J. Watt. The Arizona Cardinals have always struggled in the back halves of the seasons. They DeAndre Hopkins wasn't able to stay on the field health-wise last year. So he's got eight weeks to get so, be, be healthy. So essentially you have a situation where, you know, they need things to go right in the early part of the season so that they can get DeAndre Hopkins back and kind of have those dominoes lined up to be successful in the second half because that's kind of been Cliff Kingsbury's M.O. in the NFL. He's, he started off great. 
and then it's gone. It, yeah, last year seven and zero, they were the best team in football. It hasn't just tapered off. It hasn't. It fell off a cliff. Off. It's fallen off a cliff. And especially the way he played against the Rams last year, they get the early win against the Rams, and then the second half of the season, they were a disaster against the Rams. Right. With Arizona, you know, I actually like their GM Kime. I think he's done a pretty good job putting a run. I just I don't buy in the Cliff team. I've never. That's another guy for me that's failed up. Right. right. Coming from Texas Tech and going there. But, again, I think that he has the cover boy mentality. I think that he's got the the young quarterback or young coach that a lot of these teams have gone to. And I think that McVay is probably the worst thing that could have happened to all these young coaches because he's been so successful, so young, so early, and getting to a Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl. It's just a, it's a bad situation for all the young quarter coaches that are coming into the league. They're almost in a win-must-win must situation the first one or two years that they're in existence. The ironic thing about all those young coaches is they all come from the same place. They all were on the Gary Kubiak – Denver squad. No, they were on the Gary Kubiak Houston Texans squad. Okay. When Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator, McVay was on the staff. You have Mike McDaniel, who's now in New England, I mean, now in Miami, who was right. on the staff. You have Robert Sala, who was on the staff. He's now in the New York Jets. They had eight of, coaches come off of that staff. All those young coaches went from Houston to Washington with Mike Shanahan. Or then, Denver. And then they took their jobs from there. But all of those young coaches have been very good. And Cliff Kingsbury has shown that he can. He is the prototypical NFL offensive coach, right? He is a coach that can get his offense putting up points, but the problem is the defense doesn't can't stop anybody. Consistently. And in just in recent vantage under McVay's staff, you had the coach out Cincinnati who took the team to Super Bowl. He's a, he was an assistant on that staff, and Kevin O'Connell's now the head coach up in Minnesota. With the question for him is, can he can he get the most out of Kirk Cousins? Right. This I think season? this is a big year for Cousins. I think he's in the last year of a contract. I don't think he's up for an extension there, and I think they may move on in the draft. That may be one of those teams that may be in the six to to seven eight win range that may need to go up in the draft to get a quarterback. Actually, Cousins did get an extension after they – he actually had a hand in picking the coach for right. the team. So, they have actually kind of hooked their wagon to Kirk Cousins as the quarterback. For the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, the hope there is McConnell gets, gets – there, there makes him the best version of himself. Right. There was a big disconnect between Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins last season, and that's ultimately what led to Mike Zimmer – on top of the performance situation with the team, you know, his, his clock had basically run that, out that there essentially too. Essentially, is what led to Mike Zimmer being forced out the door, and Kirk Cousins had a hand in picking the next uh, well, coach for the team. Zimmer's a defensive guy, commands the head coach. Now you have O'Connell, who's an offensive guy, so maybe he connects more with with Kirk Cousins. And in the NFC North, the you know you have the Packers, who are the class of that division. They're going to be the class of that division. Aaron Rodgers. A lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers going for Well, he does have some weapons, even losing Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers will be going for his third straight MVP season, but I'm not even worried about the offense of that team. That is the best defense in the NFL. Right. In that, that is a stacked defense. Draft, no question about they that. They draft the linebacker, not N'Kobe Dean, but the other linebacker from Georgia, um, and they had – they found a linebacker in the draft last year. That team has a very young linebacking core. They already have Jair Alexander, the cornerback, who is an all-world corner. That team is loaded on the defensive side of the ball. That team is going to dominate their division. I don't think they lose a game I in the division. I think in defensive tackle, Zadarius Smith. Right. Is yeah. a guy, that's a really well, I think you look at guy who can play inside, play outside. San Francisco, the best two defenses in the NFC. And, and the sad part about it is I think 
they were the team that should have represented the NFC in the Super Bowl last year. They just happened to play at home where there's no roof and the conditions were terrible. And it was a, a that's a one of the weird play. artifacts of Aaron Rodgers' career. He's lost four he can't games win Bay, at, yeah. at Lambeau Field right. in the playoffs. That's, that's just a, that's a strange there's, quirky set. There's just no excuse he, for he, why he, they lost last year outside of last the weather. Year, was he didn't terrible. play. Yeah, he did not play at MVP level in that game last year. Well, well two years well, in a row. Well, the weather against was, Tampa two years ago, the, he didn't play well. The weather was a nightmare. You have the fumbled punt that ultimately gave the field position. Yes. And that's what ultimately decided that game. But the 49ers were just built to play in that style of football better than the Packers were. As the, Packers the more physical, the they beat yeah, them more physical game. offense. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they beat them at their own game. And I think that when you look at the playoffs, I think in the NFC, we can discuss it either way about the Philadelphia-Dallas situation. But I think that Philadelphia is going to win the division. I think that, that the Cowboys somehow are going to be right there in playoff contention. Maybe not make it, but right in contention. I think you look at the NFC South. I think we talked about Tampa Bay is going to run away at the division to a point where New Orleans is a playoff team. Carolina is going to be right in the playoff mix along with Minnesota in the north. Green Bay is going to win that division. And in the west, I think that you talk, you talk about San Francisco and, and L.A. I think it's going to be who stays the healthiest on the offensive side of the ball the longest San Francisco can take a hit at quarterback and have a capable backup coming in. If Stafford goes down, that team's dead. They they have nothing behind him at quarterback. So that's a team that has to keep their quarterback upright for 17 games. And I think if you're the Rams, you just got to continue to build on, again. Lost some defensive talent. That's the one thing they, they did lose in the offseason. They lose Von Miller, but they didn't have Von Miller till midway, the midway right. point of the season. Right? But he was critical in the Super Bowl and the playoff victories. He did have an impact in, in helping solidify that linebacker core. The problem you have with the Rams is Matt Stafford is a way better upgrade than Jared Goff ever was in that program. And with Matt Stafford even playing competent football, they're going to be the best team in that division. It just and the thing it, last year, just the nature of Sean McVay's offense, right? Down the stretch, that he didn't make mistakes with the ball. That was right. a big key. Right. He didn't need. He didn't he mean himself. Bad. Stafford would put a big yard, right. but he'd make that key bad decision with the ball, that key interception. Well, turnover, he never had a good. And enough, he didn't do that last right. year. Right? He never That's, had a good. He never had a good enough defense in Detroit that could carry him like this. The LA defense could, if he had a bad game or he did make a mistake, that defense could cover up some problems. Detroit never had that opportunity, so, and he didn't have the weapons around him that he had last year. I mean, look at. Odell Beckham had a, a very good playoff run. He, uh, Cooper Cup couldn't have been any better in the season last there, year. There's some legendary stories about Matt Stafford and his toughness in Detroit and just right. the things that he went through and the things that he did to stay on the field and, and just the things that he had to potentially right. try to overcome. And answered the bell. In Detroit. And so the fact that he was able to be traded to the um, Los Angeles Rams and he was able to get that Super Bowl, very happy for him. Uh, a Texas uh, kid at quarterback and an opportunity for him to kind of, you know, kind of build on that. His weapons don't change much. He's going to have Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup's established himself as the second best or the best receiver in football. You just can't cover him. There's he he's Wes Welker. He makes plays. He's 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 a Wes Welker, Julian Edelman type with more that, speed. That is the fastest guy on the field. Right. It's just insane. Right. You can't he, cover. You yeah. can line it up a wide. You can line it up in the slot. You just can't cover him because yeah. he, he has a. He's a, he's a matchup nine. He can separate from any yeah. anybody trying to cover him. Interesting note, numbers to note on Cooper Cup. He led the league in pl- play, snaps played last year. He led the league in uh, yards. targets. He led the league in receptions. He led the league in yards. He led the league in touchdowns. This guy was insane last year. Didn't sniff I mean, a vote for the MVP. Right. He could have easily been the MVP of the league. That's how good he was. Yeah. And, and the thing is, Rodgers played so well. 
and, and, and again, they, they say Rodgers overcomes things. Cooper Cuff had to overcome a lot last year with a new quarterback, with the ability to be able to keep himself on the field. I think he missed one game last year. He, or in fact, he did miss a game last year. And and the play he made against Tampa Bay was the play of the year. That catch he made down the stretch in, in going – there was a game that looked like it was going to overtime, and Tampa was going to be right there in the mix. Cooper Cup makes that play down about the 15-yard line, and the game's over with. You know, and, and, and again, I think you're going to have some bad teams that – they're just going to measure success by are we seeing the right talent in the right positions, right? You have a group, Especially a quarterback. A group of five teams, I'd say six, that are that are right about there. You have the Texans, you have the Jaguars, you have the Falcons, Detroit, the Lions, yeah. you have the Giants, the Chicago Bears, and the Giants. So a group of seven teams that are really evaluating what they what they have in house. They're not trying to compete this year. If they ultimately compete this year, that's it's a bonus. It's a bonus. They're, they're, yeah. they're ahead of their timeline, right? right? right. So, so you have those seven teams that are essentially trying to figure out what they have, how to build to get to that next step. They haven't identified who they are yet. And you have about seven teams that are the Super Bowl contenders, right? You have the Rams, you have the Packers, you have the 49ers in the NFC, and the, yeah. and the, and Buccaneers, Tampa. And the Buccaneers in the NFC. And, and they, I think Philadelphia is a contender. I think they – I just think they're – Jalen Hurts takes another step forward I, as good as he was last year. I think they take a step forward, but I, I, I think they're a tough out, but I don't think they're on the same plane as right, I don't see a them. San Francisco, uh, a Los Angeles, or a Tampa Bay, a team that's – They may be like the Chargers in the NFL. AFC West. They're going to probably have to go on the road. I just don't see them going into Green Bay or games. San Francisco or L.A. Yeah. and winning a game in the playoffs right, right and now. Then, and then in the AFC, you really have three teams that I think are uh, – Bills, Super Bowl Cincinnati, right? it's, and the Chiefs. Well, I don't even no, think – No, 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 no. Oh, the Raiders are the, the oh, Los, right, or Los Angeles Chargers. Right. We were, I'm telling talk, you, the Chargers are the sleeper yeah, team. I, I think with the Chiefs, you'll see the aging of Travis Kelsey happen this year. I think you'll because see because he, he's going to draw more attention because there's no Tyree Kill on the outside. I, I think you'll see the the inability of those quick, you know, five yard routes that Tyree Kill used to catch that turned into 15 yard. Right, that's not there. Quick, right, that's not there anymore. So and I, and the league's caught up to that offense a little bit with they, Tyree and they, Kill. And they decided the league has decided as a whole we're not gonna we're not going to you're 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 going to get covered. We're, right, we're going to make two. you go 85 yards you're, and we're 12 plays, yeah, right. and there's more chance you're going to make a mistake yeah, at some point. We're going to make you dink and dunk. We're going to make Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes make plays. Yeah, and so and so I, and I actually the key for that to see the steps back for the is, is can Mahomes be patient in that situation, or is he going to try to make that big play down the field and force something and the ball? Is a gunslinger. The problem is I don't think you have. The weapons in order to make those right. plays consistently now. Right, they did add a couple of receivers, but the million of them were Tyree Kill. I mean, right. Scant- Valdez Scantling's a pretty good receiver, but he's not again not Tyree Kill. I, fr- I firmly believe. I, I agree with you. I think Travis Kelsey start you start to see a little bit of and here's and decline. Here's, and here's the other thing: has Eric Bieniemy sort of become the David Shaw? of the NFL because he was always the hot property a few years ago as the next guy to get the job. We thought he was going to take over the Chiefs job if Andy Reid may have retired after a second Super Bowl victory. David Shaw can't even get a sniff of an NFL head coaching job now at Stanford because that team can't even basically field a football team anymore. I'll tell you right now, he's the Chiefs head coach next year. I think he is too. I think Reid retires after this year. Because he's been sort of waiting. I thought this was going to be the year he's going to be the head coach by this year. Yeah, none of that would surprise me at this point. 
Now, as we uh, get you set to, to leave, next year, we'll, uh, next week we'll remind you we'll cover the uh, St. Thomas Volleyball coming up this weekend. Remind you, Thursday night we've got a 6 o'clock matchup between ETBU and St. Thomas. We'll have double court coverage of the Labor Day Classic coming up the Invitational this weekend on Friday and Saturday. Then we'll come back Saturday night as our nightcap of the weekend as St. Thomas will host the Harden, Mary Harden-Baylor Crusaders as the men will defend their conference, SECA Conference Championship, as they will begin play on Saturday night at 7 o'clock. We'll be on the air at 645 from Houston Sports Park. And next week, we'll take a deeper dive as we get closer to the end of the regular season in baseball. So we'll look around the divisions, look forward to the playoffs, and we thank everybody for joining us. Good night, everybody. Have a safe and pleasant Wednesday evening. <laughs>